I talk with my hands, so this could be exciting. Um, I feel like I'm on a talk show or let's make a deal or something. Uh, Holly mentioned during the children's crosswalk about this being, this being the day that we, we talk about Jesus' baptism. And um, that's, a, that's a great story in the life of Jesus. And I love that, that focus song we just, we just uh, sang um, because we're not going to go through all the Gospels today because we don't have time. But if you look at Jesus' ministry, we're going to read the baptism story today. It, it, we're going to find it in, in Matthew. We're going to read today in Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Um, but something interesting that happens in Jesus in the gospel after Jesus' baptism. Right after the baptism, right after. In fact, Mark's gospel says immediately. It says that Jesus, the Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness where he fasts and prays for 40 days. It's tempted by the devil at the end of this time period. Just because you're in the desert and just because you're fasting and praying and just because you feel alone, that does not mean God is not with you. In fact, that might mean you're smack dab middle of God's will for you. So if you're in that dry period right now, it doesn't mean God's mad at you. Doesn't mean that God's upset. We don't mean you do anything wrong. In fact, you might be exactly where God wants you to be at this moment. So, our our gospel lesson today is going to uh, come from Stacy. I'm going to borrow your 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 thing here to music stand to read the read the scripture. It's going to come from Matthew. We're going to read Matthew's gospel, Matthew three, verses thirteen through seventeen. If you have your own Bible, you can read it from your own personal Bible. Or you can follow along on the screen, I believe. Or you, can just, or you can just listen for God's word in, uh, in the reading of Scripture this morning. So a reading from Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, where it says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you, need, do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Then a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And this is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When Holly and I got out of college, um, you know, many of us after college, you know, if we, if we hadn't quite found ourselves in college, sometimes we take a few extra years after college to find ourselves as well. Um, we had a friend of ours who, as she was searching for her next step in life after college, she, um, she went to a foreign country uh, to do research on the English dialects that were found within this, forest country, within this foreign country. That was her cover story. She was actually going as a missionary to a country that was hostile to Christians to help start and work with underground house churches. So she had to give the, the country she was going to a cover story, if you will. Now, she was going and doing research and all that type of stuff, but that wasn't her real purpose. Her real purpose was to go into this country and to help disciple Christians and help the church that is found in this area begin to grow. That's, that's a dangerous mission she was on. I mean, she was an American citizen, so odds are she would have been fine if something happened. 
but you can't say for sure. By the way, FYI, I believe the stat was a Christian was murdered, was martyred every six minutes last year. There were over nine, 900,000 Christians martyred for their faith last year. Okay? We as Christians in America, Christians that have relative comfort. Now, yeah, folks might make fun of us and things may be challenging. But the greatest struggle we had to come to church this morning was ice and cold. We have brothers and sisters right now in other countries that face actual persecution for their faith. And when you go back and read the book of Acts, when Paul's writing to the early church, the one command Paul gives the early church, the Gentiles, was this. Remember the poor in Jerusalem. In other words, pray for our brothers and sisters that are in places where it's hard. Those of us in places of comfort and affluence, we have an obligation, a moral obligation to pray for and remember our brothers and sisters that have challenges on their hands. So I hope you'll join me in 2017 in praying for these brothers and sisters. Anyway, we had that, that was free. That has nothing to do with the sermon. Um, we were at this party for her when she was going away. And um, we wrote a card. You know, everybody signed the card. Hey, you know, good luck, whatever. I, when it came my time to sign the card, I wrote her name and I said this. Remember your baptism. That's a preacher thing to do, isn't it? Who does that? Remember your baptism. Why did I write that? You know, of all the stuff that we Christians like to argue about, baptism is usually pretty high on the list. Um, we love to argue about baptism. And it's funny. You know, the longer I'm in ministry, the, the more I see the diversity in the church over baptism, the more I think that's a good thing. Because I think God, I think God on issues like this is pleased with our different opinions because it shows how big the church is. So I'm not here to answer all your questions on baptism this morning. I'll be glad to have a conversation with you. I'll be glad to talk to you about it. I'll be glad to lay out what we believe within our church about baptism. But I'm not here to convince you of what I, I believe because that's not really the point. There's something bigger about baptism than this. That's why I wrote to my friend, remember your baptism. Remember your baptism. Baptism is a, is, a, is a beautiful thing. And like I said, there's a lot of different opinions and views on it. And that, to me, that, that's a great thing. We see Jesus baptized today. And, and, and in baptism, baptism is one of those things that, that the church has always struggled with. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what we believe in our church and why it matters today. Um, within our church, the United Methodist Church that we're part of, we view all modes of baptism as equal. I, 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 when we do confirmation with our kids, we talk to them about baptism and remembering their baptism. And I always say, we'll sprinkle, we'll pour, we'll immerse. I'll chase with a water hose. I don't much care. I mean, to me, the mode doesn't matter. Because there's something, there's something bigger going on there. There's something bigger going on there. The, the word for baptism is, is a sacrament. It's an outward sign of an inward grace. There's an outward symbology to something inward that God is doing in that moment. See, see baptism, 
Baptism ultimately, at its core, yes, it, it, it demands obedience from us. And yes, it demands, as adults who have never been baptized, that come forth for baptism, is an act of obedience to say, yes, I am making this decision to be marked in this way. As parents, those of us who have had our children baptized, it is us standing before God in the congregation saying, yes, we promise to raise our child in a Christian home. But, but even that, even that is kind of, it, it, it's just part of the story. Baptism in the Old Testament. Remember the Old Testament? Back in all the blood and gut stuff. God told Abraham, hey, you know, I, I want you to follow me. As a sign that you're a follower of mine, I want you to have this marking of circumcision. Circumcision in the Old Testament was the marking that the male children were part of the covenant community. Well, the Bible's clear in the New Testament. Baptism for the new covenant is the marking of God upon us. It's God saying to us, you are mine. I have died for you. I gave my son for you. I desire to know you. So see, baptism, yes, it has all this stuff that we're supposed to do. Yeah, we have to do this or do that. But the reason why we don't care about the mode, not that we don't care about the mode, we do all modes as equal, is because for us, in our core, what we believe is that baptism is not so much about us, but it's about God. It is about God marking us as his very own. God saying, this is my child that I love. This is my child that I desire to be in a relationship with. This is my child for whom I gave my very son. So for us, baptism is ultimately God's gift to us. It's a gift that we must at some point accept for ourselves. We had a meeting today with our confirmation parents, and I was telling the parents when the children, the confirmants get close to Confirmation Sunday, I like to sit with all the, we, me and Aaron and Brian like to sit with the, the families and the confirmants and talk about what this decision is. To make sure that they're really ready to make this decision and put their faith in Christ. This public profession of faith. So yeah, we got to respond. But that's just the part of it. The beautiful thing about baptism is not, it's not our response so much. As it is God's marking. This is God's grace. I'm sure you've all seen the great theological treatise that's known as Toy Story. I love Toy Story. It's a great movie. I love Pixar. I'm a sucker for Pixar movies. I love all of them, except for the Cars movie. I'm not a huge fan of the Cars movies, but it's okay. I like the first one, but the next two just kind of, eh. You know, the next one, I guess. Um, but there's a great, great, great scene in... Uh, if you remember the, 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 the plot of Toy Story, there's, and, there's uh, Woody and, and, and Buzz. And, you know, Buzz doesn't think he's a toy. And part, most of the movie is Woody trying to convince Buzz, no, you're a toy. You know, you're a toy. You're not really a whatever, a space explorer. You're a toy. And towards the end of the movie, Buzz finally realizes that he's a toy. He's depressed when he realizes, I'm just a toy. And then he says, no, 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 no. You're not just any toy. Look on your foot. And if you remember the movie, Buzz picks up his foot. There on his foot is written the word Andy. 
He's not just any toy. He's Andy's toy. Because when Andy bought him, he marked him as his toy. That's baptism. Baptism is God's marking upon you. Baptism is God's way of saying, you are mine. You are my beloved. You are my cherished. You are my sacred. You are the apple of my eye, and I love you enough to give my very son for you. Baptism is God's marking upon you about who you are. And nothing can take that away. Nothing can take away the divine marking of God's grace upon your soul. Scripture says that he formed us in the womb. Before the foundations of the world, Jesus Christ was the lamb that was slain for the salvation of the world. You are his. And that's why for my friend, when she got ready to go into a world that was very scary, and frankly, got, got ready to go into a mission that was not certain. She didn't know what she'd encounter. She didn't know, she didn't know what was going to happen. I wanted her to take something with her. And that was the knowledge of her baptism. That no matter what happened, no matter what was to come her way, no matter what challenges she faced, no matter what was going on, she was marked as God's very own. And no victory can add to that, and no defeat can take that away. Because ultimately, ultimately this whole faith thing, yeah, and, and this whole faith journey, we've got responses, and we've got faithfulness, and we've got stuff that God calls us to do. But in the end, our faith is not about our faithfulness. Our faith is about God's faithfulness to us. God does not love you because you're perfect. He loves you because you're his. And if we can ever reorient ourselves to see our acts of faithfulness, not as a way to make God love us, but if we can ever reorient ourselves to understand this, that our acts of faithfulness are a loving response to an amazing God. We'll change the world. It's going to shock y'all. I get cabin fever when I'm shut in the house for a long time. So after about a day of being locked in the house with all this dumb sleet, I was ready to get and do something yesterday. I was, you, know, you, know, you know how different it was to get out of the house yesterday? I went to Walmart, Okay. Anytime a man goes to Walmart with a shopping list on purpose, he's ready to get out of the house. So, we were at Walmart yesterday. Oh, I was at Walmart yesterday, getting stuff I needed, getting stuff all I needed. And uh, while I was shopping there, I bought Holly some flowers. Why, was I in trouble? Well, probably. You know. I mean, I wouldn't, but I'm sure I've done something stupid that deserved, you know. But no, this amazing woman loves me for some reason that I don't understand. She didn't have to text me to buy her flowers. I just wanted to express the fact that I love her. 
No one makes me do it. It's just the way it is when you love someone. You want to be faithful. That's our faith with God, y'all. It's not about your faithfulness. It's about God's faithfulness. He has marked you as his very own in baptism. He has shown that he has died for you, that he rose for you, and that he will return for you. And nothing can take that away. You are marked as his. Don't forget that. I heard somebody say one time, don't let the victories go to your head and don't let the defeats go to your heart. I like that. Sometimes in our life, the victories go to our head, don't they? We get the big head. And the defeats go to our heart. And we feel broken. You're not defined by your victories. You're not defined by your defeats. Your identity comes from the marking of God. Comes from the grace of God. Because in these things, God says, you are mine. When I was um, out of college, my first, uh, I took a year off from school. To, to, uh, I, used to, I used to work at the Baptist bookstore as a stockroom manager. I tell folks, I used to work, I worked there so that way I could say for once in my life I held an honest job. And I was youth pastor at Raymond UMC. And I'm pretty sure if you go home today and Google the phrase, worst youth minister ever, you'll see my picture. I was terrible, y'all. I mean, and I'm not being falsely humble or, or trying to get a laugh. No, no, I was bad. Like, I don't think I should correct anybody's faith, but I wasn't good. I mean, I was young and unprepared and undisciplined, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't have much training. And I, I loved the kids, but I just wasn't good at it. And it beat me up on the inside. I was killing me. It was awful. Like, Lord, I'm a failure. Why did you call me to this? I'm terrible. Why did you call me to this, God? I am so not good at this. And I, and I, I had a key to the church. So um, I would go over sometimes. I love churches, and I love to go in and pray inside churches. So I'd go over to the church sometimes and pray. And one night in there, when I was at probably my, my lowest ebb, I just didn't feel like I was any good at it. I mean, I was working hard, and I just wasn't any good. And I was praying like, Lord, you've got to help me here because I'm ready to quit. I mean, I'm ready to move back to Bogachita. I mean, I just can't do this. And I was, I was at the altar praying. And that church had real pretty stained glass windows. As I was praying, it was like, a, like the moonlight or something kind of came through the stained glass windows. And it kind of landed, and I kind of looked at the, at the baptismal font. And I remembered that my worth was not found in my success in ministry or in my failure in ministry. My worth was not found by anything that I've done. But my worth was found in this. That the very sovereign God of heaven loved me enough to give his son for my sake. So that one day I can know him as Savior. 
And in that moment, that dark moment of doubt and worry and fear, I remembered my baptism. I remember that God marked me as his own, and that God loved me. I remembered my baptism. Today, remember your baptism. Remember that you are loved, that you are known, and that you are found. That God desires you. That God desires to be in a relationship with you. So, yes, we have a response. We have to respond to his offer of grace and accept it. Because knowing it's great, but accepting it's better. But you are his beloved. Never doubt that. No matter how hard it may be, no matter how challenging it may feel, no matter how discouraged you may feel like you are at this moment, don't give up. Remember your baptism. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. You're a child of God. Never forget that. Let's pray.